0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a cloudy day here in the capital as once again we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. My name is Scott Chaloner and I'm delighted to be joined on today's programme by Elke Holland. Elkie is the Managing Director of four businesses, one of which is Prospectus IT Recruitment, a recruitment agency in Surrey specialising in providing personnel for the IT industry. Elke, very warm welcome to you this morning and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the programme. A pleasure. Thank you, real pleasure having you join us as well, Elki. Now, um, the purpose of this discussion, first and foremost, is to establish your take on leadership. And I think it is fair to say, isn't it, that leadership is really being put to the test at the moment with the emergence of COVID-19, no less, and the need for leaders of businesses, organisations and governments to feel their way through what is ultimately uncharted territory. And we will, of course, touch on that in a little bit more detail later on in the programme. But starting out by just exploring that word leader. What does that word actually mean for you? What should a leader be in your eyes?
1: Um, I think a leader needs to be a number of things. I think they need to think of the business, they need to lead the business and the people. So I think it's twofold. Um, With regards to the people, I think they need to inspire them, pull them together, and support them and help them move forward, as well as challenge them in order to help them grow. Um, But to lead a business, I think the leaders need to be um, flexible, adapt, um, sometimes very quickly, and they need to have a vision and they need to move forward, but they need to also adjust very quickly when required and take tough decisions, all of which I think at the moment in recent, you know, obviously current circumstances, um, I think leadership and leaders are being challenged and they have to adapt very rapidly, make decisions fast, and it's tough.
0: I think that's absolutely right, Elke. And um, if we talk about that, um, the current times so that we're going through at the moment in a little bit more detail, how has it been for you as a manager of four businesses adapting to this new reality, as it were?
1: Um, incredibly stressful, actually, on a number of levels, Um, because you have to look for the business. Uh, the business is like a living thing. You have to look after that as well, and you have to look after people. So you're not just keeping an eye on the dollar and survival, you're also trying to support the individuals within it. Um, and obviously the changes, both business-wise, for the businesses and for the people working from home, is very challenging. And then it's, you know, with furlough, it's uncharted territory. So it has really pushed and made it very difficult.
0: And I suppose mm, I suppose, from a mental health perspective, Elkie, it's also been incredibly challenging for employees as well amid all of the uncertainty and all of the, uh, the worry. Because there's been a real emphasis on that at this point in time, the importance of mental health and well-being. And having to sort of integrate that into people management sort of more intensely during this period, that's also a real challenge leaders in business have had to deal with.
1: It's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult and lonely for those who have to make the decision, as the leaders. But also it's very lonely for some of the workers, the employees who perhaps are isolated at home. So whilst when a business is going through change, you can support people because you're together. You now have distance. And whilst you have Zoom, you have Teams, it is not the same as being able to pick up and just give you gentle words when they're not on that call and things like that. So it is very difficult. And I think mental health is affected. I mean, I've known a number of people, um, obviously with the recruitment as well, um, and I've been the front line on that, you know, listening to candidates who still have jobs, but they're furloughed, and sometimes picking their mental health issues up rapidly, um, and to try and lead them and help them, so it's not just your own internal staff.
0: Of course, there's been some real mixed response to the way that the government has handled the crisis. There has been some real praise, of course, for the furlough scheme, small business loans. Um, But on the other hand, there's been some real uh, debate about the clarity of certain guidelines for businesses to continue operating and then to, of course, reopen in a safe manner, COVID secure premises, etc. Um, have you been satisfied thus far with the support that you've actually had and have you been clear that you've known what's expected of you throughout this?
1: Um, I'm afraid to say, actually, support-wise, the only support that we've been able to have is um, the furlough scheme. Um, I think the part-time furlough scheme now is a lot better because you can start to bring people back. But initially, you know, when things are very difficult um, and costs are paramount and still very, very high, um, you have to put people on furlough sometimes. And then you've got other people doing different jobs that perhaps they're not actually skilled in because you couldn't do the part-time furlough initially. So I would have said that actually it would have been better for the mental health of the individuals if employers had been able to part-time furlough staff. And there would have been less of a divide between work colleagues who would have supported each other better had they been able to part-time furlough. There became a big divide between furloughed and not furloughed. Mm. And I don't think that was good. Um, As for support, you know the furlough seemed great i think it's very easy to poke a finger and say if only they had done this if only they had done that you know let's we talk about leadership it's tough and the government's leading in our uncharted territories so i know how difficult it is but um all the grants are uh, not applicable we could not do anything we run some service offices, as opposed to um a rate we are in, you know, employment agency and we were one of the ones commented on, as in having a hard time, because obviously all work stopped or a lot of work stopped, Um certainly in our industry. But we were not entitled to any grants at all, no business grants whatsoever, because we didn't pay rates. The fact that our service charges for rent includes an element of rates was irrelevant. So we became the invisible. You know, we became mm. invisible businesses, basically. We were invisible for any assistance. They did eventually bring in um, a discretionary grant from the local council, Um, but it was kept very quiet. I did find out, and you have to put an application in, and we're still waiting. We've heard nothing.
0: So access to support on that front has been very difficult, it sounds, yes.
1: Yeah, and we buy a lot of services, um, uh, software as a service, and because we're in contract for a year, You know, we can't break those. And the suppliers and software say, well, you're in contract. So they wouldn't even renegotiate either, which is understandable because they've got their businesses to run too. So everybody's had their back up against the wall. But it's been very difficult.
0: And I can imagine it has... You know, I'm
1: not the only invisible one.
0: Mm. And for those invisible businesses that you rightly talk about that do need to have a voice, uh, the ramifications long-term for them of not being able to get that support during this period are massive, aren't they?
1: A lot will go out of business, and you're talking a lot of entrepreneurs who set up businesses, you know, um, and we employ people. You know, for example, I employ people, but I also help people get jobs, but we're invisible. So, you know, a lot of agencies go by the by. You know, that's it. They won't be around. Um, Coming out, it's not going to be good. I mean, I speak to other smaller businesses as well. And, you know, I realized, I'd actually spoke to my wife, I said, actually, you don't normally do this role, do you? And they were trying to take a payment. And he said, actually, I don't really know what I'm doing. It's not what I do. <laughs> so you had a lot of the small businesses where the managing directors were actually trying to work the account system, And they actually didn't have to we do. You know, it was very, very difficult because mm. they had to furlough fully or keep them fully. And a lot of them couldn't afford to keep them fully. So they had to furlough them. So I think part-time furlough from the beginning would have been a good idea. But do you know, we are where we are. And the government's done, you know, done the best they can on the furlough scheme
0: has mm. also helped. It has. So that's good. With regards has, to yeah. um, the guideline side of things, um, Elkie, when it comes to sort of operating safely and sort of reopening businesses as well, have you been satisfied um, with the, 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 those as well um, that you've sort of understood exactly what's been expected to sort of work safely?
1: Yes, I think the information is there. If you, I mean, you can sit in your chair and go, oh, we don't know. That's because you haven't looked at the information. The government websites are updated quite regularly uh, and you kept reading. They did webinars. So the government did. It's not just, you know, what the BBC reports. So you could get the information. You just have to go looking for it and find it. Um, With everything changing, you know, two metres, one metre, the best you can, it is confusing. But you have to remember that you've got to do the best for your staff as much as you can to keep everybody safe. You know, that's yourself and your customers.
0: It's integral
1: businesses.
0: Mm. It's integral though, being in a leadership role, absolutely. And considering yes. your situation, um, as well, um, here, Elke, um, that's just one reason as to why our working practices have are something that's really been discussed uh, during the uh, the COVID-19 situation as well and the future of the office space. Is there going to be a future for it? Will people be working from home on a more personal basis? Um, what do you sort of envision for the future with uh, regards to that? Do you think that there is a future for the office environment as we know it?
1: I do. I mean, I've obviously, in recruitment, I speak to a lot of the directors and the owners, business owners, as well as our owners, things like that. Um, and it's very mixed opinion people now sort of seem to accept that there will be, and they're more open to allowing people to work from home. However, I am also hearing, and I did hear actually, um, in fact yesterday, from a client who said, you know, my member staff doesn't want to come back to the office, but they don't realize, they think it's great working from home, but their output is about 20% of what they would normally do when in an office environment. Now, some of that could be the stress of the current situation for them, rather than just because they're working from home, you know, that particular person, because it is a big adaptation for everybody to not just work from home, uh, but also with the emotional response that everybody has to isolation. But I do think there are going to be more jobs working from home, certainly in IT, um, very much so, but people do still want face-to-face. So I think it will mix.
0: And I think it ties in with the mental health question, doesn't it? Because it's really sort of come to the fore that we've taken that human social interaction side of things for granted when it comes to uh, that sort of common workspace, as it were. And because of that, and because of the fact that we've sort of felt the impact of isolation during this time, I think that does point to the fact that there is going to be some sort of future for the office, even if it is on a sort of a hybrid basis, as you say, with some people working from home certain days of the week and others in the office at different times.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it will be, as you say, like a hybrid of the two. I think, you know, the conversations, the little snippets of conversation by the coffee machine, you know, when you're hanging your coats up, when you're walking through the door, those snippets of human interaction, I think are very important to an individual and also to a leader, to be fair. You know, as a business, I miss seeing my staff and having, you know, how you doing And the conversation, showing that you care and just Having the time of day to actually talk to them and remember that they are a person, not just schedule a meeting or business needs. And I think if it's all remote working, I think some of that gets lost.
0: And during a time such as this as well, I think when there's so much uncertainty and so much worry, as an employee, of course, the natural reaction is to sort of look to those above you, be they managers, executives, for that direction and that reassurance during this time. However, when you're in a position such as yourself, where you're at the top of the tree of a business, as it were, and there is nobody above you, at times like this, where do you look to sort of find reassurance and inspiration for yourself?
1: Are you talking to the employees or for the business leaders?
0: Um, for the business leaders, so business leaders such as yourself, where would you look to for inspiration at a time like this when you're managing a crisis such as COVID 19?
1: Um, fortunately for me, I've actually, I have a, a good network of people in similar situations and business leaders. So we talk. So if anything, we find support from each other.
0: So, so when important. you're in
1: service offices anyway, Mm. You pick up other businesses to the size, although they're in different markets. But also, my customers, you know, realizing that we are all having challenges and we share and we help each other. So, the support there, I would say, very much so. And the business side is things like that. Mm. Um, business leaders share. I think People it's. What can they share with other business leaders? Mm.
0: It's so important as a business leader to recognize that you're not a lone wolf, isn't it? You're, not, you're never alone, even in a leadership role. And there are so many places that you can look to for inspiration and networks are out there to share advice and guidance. And those are real and important sources, aren't they?
1: They're very important sources, but you can still feel very lonely, very isolated as a business leader when you have to make those tough decisions. You know, it's not nice. You have to do it. You have to move forward. You know, you have a responsibility to the business as well as to the people. And now thinking about... It is lonely at the top.
0: mm, It is incredibly lonely at the top. It certainly is. And when it comes to sort of charting that course forward now as we embrace the challenges of the new normal... Over the next sort of 12 to 18 months, Elke, what do you envision for yourself and your businesses and what do you ultimately hope to achieve as we move through into the next stages of the COVID-19 situation?
1: Well, uh, my business, uh, the recruitment has totally pretty much stopped um, and slowed while people readjust where they are. You know, and job offers, which were about to happen, stopped because they couldn't take someone on the train while they were at home. Everything just sort of stopped. Moving forward, I think businesses will adapt. They already are. So, and they will streamline and they will do what they always do. They will push forward and recover. Some won't make it, but others will. You know, a business is changing and they do. A business is a living thing. It has to change and keep moving. So, will it get better? Yes, I think it will ultimately, but it will take a bit of time some things will move faster than others and they'll go on hold. Mm. But, you know, they talk about recession, depression. It's not the first one. It's a cycle. And businesses have shown that they're resilient before, you know, and the leaders, the leaders will keep going because that's what we do. And We have to find a way and we have to keep going.
0: Exactly right.
1: It's
0: all about, of course, persistence, resilience and perseverance from that point of view, isn't it? Very much so.
1: Yes. I mean, I used to say when I first started in business, I lived by the 3D. And to some extent, I think businesses do as well. You know, or certainly believe in dedication, discipline, and determination. You need all three. You know, so dedication at the moment, you know, you work very, very hard. You know, sometimes harder than ever before. Um, and the discipline. to so actually get up and carry on and keep going. And determination, so you know you don't get back because you don't want to think back on the other choices.
0: Let's certainly hope that we do see the upward trajectory sooner rather than later when it comes to industry. And, you know, given that, of course, it's all well and good, Elkie, speculating on what the future might bring, and then it's another thing entirely waiting for the time to come and then looking back to assess what has happened. I think given how informative and insightful it's been having you join us on the programme today, it would actually be wonderful for the listeners to have you back on in a few months' time just to catch up on how things are getting on and see just what has changed in the time between.
1: Yes, no problem at all. I'm quite excited to know what's going to happen. You know, businesses are changing they're adapting, which means there are some very interesting projects going on mm. you know, that are going to happen. So, you know, I'm looking forward to working with clients to help move their business forward because you need people and skills and staff to move the business forward
0: and that of course is incredibly positive to hear um, we're just about out of time on the uh, the program today unfortunately Elke. but as I say it's been an incredible pleasure having you join us today and in a really informative experience for myself and also for those tuning in and as I said it would be wonderful to hear from you again in future and until we do touch base once more um, do most importantly take care and stay safe with all still going on because we're certainly not quite out of the woods with this situation as of yet that we do know. That was Elkie Holland speaking, and coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Matthew O'Neill for his exclusive interview with former Education Secretary Lord Blunkett. Lord Blunkett is, these days, an active member of the House of Lords, Chairman of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and a former Labour MP and Secretary of State. During his political career, Lord Blunkett rose to prominence to become one of the most notable politicians of his generation, holding a number of senior positions in Tony Blair's cabinet, and serving as the MP for his Sheffield, Brightside and Hillsborough constituency for 28 years, despite being blind from birth. He was elevated to the House of Lords in August of 2015, anointed Baron Blunkett of Brightside and Hillsborough. And I hope that you enjoy listening just as much as Matthew relished the opportunity to speak with him. All of that is coming up next.
2: Lord Blunkett, welcome.
3: and the U.S., and to some extent uh, the Scandinavian countries, have a very different interest, uh, history and and therefore interest in maintaining the freedom to decide and the persuasion and consent Mm. that's required. Uh, Those countries that have experienced one way or another totalitarianism over the last century have a slightly different way of coming at this. Mm. I don't want to exaggerate it, but I think that that's why